Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to the Fire in the Belly show. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we have Therese Allison. Good afternoon to you, I believe it is, yeah? Hello, Pete. How are you? I am absolutely awesome. Thank you for asking. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. How are we getting on today? Um, lovely. Just another day. Um, my daughter with volleyball and uh, just a pretty, pretty laid back, which is good. <laughs> so give us a bit of background. Who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Well, uh, it sounds so corny, but um, I was born in Hollywood. I, you know, it's very cliche, but I grew up in Southern California and um, I was really into sports growing up. And um, I Gosh, on the playground in, in elementary school, I wanted to compete with the boys and beat with the boys, beat the boys. And I did that all the way through high school and during high school. Um, and we can talk about that later. But anyways, I, I took that wanting to beat the boys into business and um, then built a book of business with a company that was tied to Lloyd's of London. And as you know, very, very male um, dominated, or I should, I should say largely male. And so it was just an interesting uh, career that I had working with men in the insurance brokerage industry, working with Lloyd's of London. And then later on, and it, again, very few women. So I, I kind of have, I had a different approach in, in terms of how I approached um, working in the industry. And um, in 1998, we sold our business to Aon, which was one of the second largest brokers. And uh, Gosh, a number of things happened. You know, 9-11 happened, kind of a, had a, a brush with that. And then um, I retired in 2004 to stay home with my three children who are all older now. So that's kind of your 20,000 feet. There's a lot of details in there, but... Nice. Um, that's a job done, right? So interview finished. We're all, we're all sorted, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> that was quick. That's, that was really quick. No, that's awesome, right? So you you've really sort of... You've been there, you've done it, you sold the company, you've retired, you've the kids, the whole thing, and yeah. um, author, and, you know, we're, we're sort of... Yeah. And what else can we take off the list here? There's a lot going well, on, right? Yeah, there's a ton going on. So um, when I retired, I got out of the business so I could focus on the on the kids. And then my my 15-year-old is going to be out of high school in a couple of years. And I'm like, what the heck is mom going to do now, Right. I was this fearless businesswoman, you know, for 20 years. And then I became this fearless mother. And um, all of a sudden I realized, wow, empty nest. So I, I wrote the book. And um, my my book is about my business journey, but it's also about my family heritage. And uh, in 1992, my dad did some, delved into our history. I'm fourth generation Californian. So we came over in the gold rush and... Uh, and, you know, my great, great grandfather was partners and relatives with a governor who stood next to Abraham Lincoln. And so there was all the stuff that that um, my dad was uncover- uncovering that I uncovered. And after he passed, I promised I would write the book. 
And that's um, kind of where we are. <laughs> and another really interesting thing is that my great grandmother was a Churchill. And so um, she, same lineage, uh, just the American Churchills over to Winston Churchill. So it was one of those things with my dad where he says, well, we've got this with, with Lincoln and we've got this with whatever. I'm like, dad, come on, you, whatever. I was too busy with work. And after he passed, he had a Lincoln file and a Churchill file. And I looked them both up. I'm like, okay, dad, you were right. Jeez, you were so excited. And you, there was a reason for you to be excited. <laughs> So, you know how we do that with our parents about how they kind of, we don't, we kind of take them to gr for granted at times. And then later on, you realize, oh, wow, they really did know a lot. Or in, in, in my case, with my dad. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, you know, went on with the heritage in my, my business. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's just it's funny how priorities change through time, you know, sort of at one time that's not interesting. And, and then further down the line, it is interesting, you know, your heritage, where you're from. And, is that, a, is that an identity thing? Is this you sort of searching for a version of yourself, or you, you know, identity for yourself, do you think? That's a really good question. And it wasn't necessarily me searching, but my dad, uh, and it's in, the, it's in the book, my dad's parents died by the time he was 12. Okay. So his father, who was huge in California water, um, basically just kind of worked himself to death and at age 52, passed away of a heart attack. And then six years later, my dad was in the hospital with a with a spleen that was split, whatever you call it, whatever, open spleen. And my grandmother was driving to the hospital to go see him to bring him a poem because she did that every day. She was a teacher. She got into a horrific car accident and, and literally they brought they brought her into um, the hospital and two floors below him. Uh, she passed away. So I say that because it was definitely my dad's quest. He wanted to know who his parents were. He didn't, he didn't know who they were. And when my grandparents died, all that heritage went away, like was lost. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, that's my, anyways. Um, so all that heritage was lost. And um, uh, so he had to kind of recreate it. It was, you know, he was also an artist. So he had, um, you know, he was recreating his history with his heritage. And then he was also painting at the same time. So you had these paintings that were, uh, well, I have one kind of behind me over here um, that, that reflects my heritage and his heritage as he discovered it. And uh, many of them are abstract. And it was just how he got his feelings out about losing his parents and how he um, expressed it to the world. So a lot of good stuff. Well, that's very, very sweet. Tell me, I mean, are, are you, do you, do you think you're where you're supposed to be now? Yes. Yes. I, I, you know, I kind of believe I'm, I'm just one of those people that believes um, I always believe I'm where, where I'm supposed to be. I, and I, and I, with my kids, I always tell them, you know, you may not like where you are right now, or you may think that you don't have the right teacher, but trust me, there's a reason. And uh, you know, I, I, even as much as when I was 15, so sadly, my sister committed suicide. And it took a lot of years to reconcile that and to um, really just kind of absorb that. And, and I don't believe that there was a reason for that. But I do, I do think in the big scheme of things for me, it has made me who I am. You know, so um, I, I'm I'm a really an empathic person. I like to give back. I um, 
there are many reasons I do give back. She's one of them. So, yeah. So I do believe that I, I believe I'm here. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I, I, there's a lot more years left here. So what, uh, I mean, that's such a significant event really to, to happen at a fairly influential age for you, 15, you know, and, and I mean, how, how did you reconcile that? You know, what, what's, what's your takeaways from that in the end? Oh gosh. Well, you know what I did, that was what sports saved me. So I, um, I did everything. I did activities out of the house. I worked, I was good at school and then I, um, did sports just really delved into that. And that, that pretty much saved me. Um, PD was a horrible thing because I was a sophomore and you can imagine, you know, you have a sibling who has committed suicide. And, and back then in 1976, it was a huge stigma. No one talked about it. So I'm, I'm a sophomore girl at high school at walking around and no one wants to talk about it. Like, like I felt like there was this, I'm, I'm like this ship in this wake behind me of people. Like we know something's going on, but we're afraid to talk to her. And, um, it was, it was really difficult. I will tell you that it did prepare me for the rest of my life in terms of, you know, how I dealt with being in a man's world, how I dealt with just stuff with my own family. It was one of those things where I always felt like when I had a hardship or someone would say they're really having a difficult time. And I would say, well, you know, or for me, it would be a hardship. And I'm like, well, you know what? The worst thing has already happened to me. I lost a sister. I you know, to suicide. That was, that was the worst thing. So, so what in business, if I lose a huge sale or, um, you know, so what about this other stuff, you know, nothing, nothing compares. So, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it amazing really to have that sort of depth of, of an experience that it, it does put you on a different scale, right? You know, because yes. Uh, I mean, I know from losing people myself and, and going into the business experience and people saying this is very serious and you go, not really. <laughs> it's like, yes, it's unfortunate. And yes, we want to progress in business, but this is not life threatening. Right. You know, so, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 uh, it is a perspective builder having things like that happen in your life. You know, mm. it really gives it sets the parameters really for the rest of your life in, in terms of what's serious and what's not. Mm-hmm. And most things are, uh, you know, so. Before we get into it, really, I mean, first of all, tell me, what does fire in the belly mean to you? Oh, passion. It means like for me, being a woman in a male dominated world for business, uh, I was very passionate about winning because I, I you know, um, was in sports, right? So that was kind of where I, my genesis for, for my passion of winning. And so <laughs> when I got into, you know, the world of business, it was my passion was to sell and to close deals and to, I loved the whole process of negotiating and competing with the guys and, you know, um, of closing the deal then and, and then just developing the relationships with the clients. And um, because it was kind of like my, the fire in my belly, I was really successful at it. Um, And so I always have felt that when I'm passionate about something, uh, I never think that I can't do it. Like there's, there's just not like if, if I take something on, that means I've vetted it 150%. And when I take it on and I'm passionate, it's going to go, right? So 
it's that feeling of conviction, I would say. That's what it means to me. Is it something you've always had? Is it something that's come and gone for you through your life? Or where, where are you at now in terms of your, your fire in your belly, your passion? Mm, I think I've always had it. It's always been part and parcel of my personality. I would say that during raising my kids after I um, retired, it was dormant just because I didn't really have any outlet. I mean, room mom, how, how you know, how, how do I have a fire in my belly for being room mom for six years, even though I know my daughter appreciated it. Um, but, you know, the fire in my belly now after I've written this book is just to really help people and empower men and women in business and kind of in life, because I've been through a lot over the years. Um and there's just, a, you know, particularly with women, there's, you know, a lot of need. I mean, I I got out in 2004. It's almost like I went to sleep for, uh, you know, I, it's been like 15 to 20 years, whatever. And I wake up and the women are still being asked to take notes in meetings. Like, I mean, for me, for me, it, back in my day in the 90s, I would have been doing the rock, paper, scissors. Like we're the guys like we're going to we're going to see who is going to write the notes, but it's going to be a 50 50 deal on how this goes. And women were still being asked and they're doing it. And I um, I just have a passion for for just helping um, men and women just value themselves, be true to themselves and. Uh, you know, they're, they're just a lot. I mean, I have certain, you know, pearls of wisdom, I call them, uh, that help people be successful. And um, I, uh, I, anyway, so I, one of them is be true to you. And it's where you just have to be authentic in business. You can't like, you have to be um, who you are. And I mean, when I started in business, I was blonde. I was 26. I put glasses on. And because I, I thought I should be smart, like as a woman, I should look smart, right? And it just didn't work for me because I have an airhead side, and um, uh, my, you know, I would I would do silly things because I would always be focused on business, but then stuff over here I would miss it. You know, the hem would come off. You know, tape I tape my hem, and the skirt would would come unraveled, and whatever. I was like loose Lucille Ball. I don't know, you know, with um, I love Lucy and. Um, I call my Lucy moments in the book. So I just learned that when I was natural and went with it, it was um, just, um, it, it worked better. I, I literally, so I could do these big deals, million dollar deals. And then I would, I would be on a trip somewhere and something would happen. And, um, you know, my partners would be joking about me and something would happen. And I'd actually just share it with my clients and they loved it. They were like, oh my gosh, she's real. You know, we can relate to her, which means she'll be honest with us about if anything goes wrong or she'll she'll be real, you know, and in business, it's kind of hard to find that, particularly insurance brokers. I mean, we're we're, I'm not to be not to put down lawyers, but we're right there with the bottom feeders with lawyers as insurance brokers. So being an authentic insurance broker was was actually it worked. So I'm not sure if that answered your question. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, as you say, we, we, we feel our passion at different points in our lives, you know, in some places, it's not to say certain areas are right or wrong, or, you know, I mean, kids, you know, kids and families, it's just just a different gear, it's a different place, right? So yeah. but, uh, it's interesting, you know, when you talk about that, and, and you know, the, the building of the business and things like that. So uh, just a question that came to me there is, I mean, is, is it, did you find, did you tend to relate more to 
uh, women clients, female clients or male clients? That you <laughs> um, <laughs> male clients, just because I, you know, I, I can, I can talk to talk as far as business and whatever and female client, they were threatened by me. Hmm. And I, like there was this one example about um, if you've ever seen the devils, the devil wears Prada with, with um, you know, Meryl Streep. And there was this one female CEO and I had just finished business with the one other CEO that went out, went out and he left and she came in and I was in a meeting with her and she really didn't know me other than she knew that I had worked with him. First thing she says to me is you should be fired. And I'm like, she keeps, she can't be talking to me. I mean, I've never heard that before, you know? And so, so talk about having to do a, a tap dance. I was like, okay, how am I going to get this woman on my side? I mean, yeah, it was, it was tough. So anyways, we, we continued to have a relationship and I was able to put together a product that was more proprietary for their medical group. And I gave her the credit. And so after, in fact, she was one of the ones, the CEOs that we brought to Lloyd's of London because we would bring them every year um, to sit down with the underwriters. And um, so she was that influential in the business. And she was the one that told me I should be fired. I'm like, oh, good Lord. You know, I'm going to have to figure out, take the bag, the tricks out of my bag for that one. So, um, yeah, so I, several times I had women that were probably threatened of me, uh, of me and um and I just had to use you know just kind of that velvet glove the firm feminine but firm I would use just kind of an approach and uh, be soft but also firm with my boundaries you know and just I was a salesperson so I was going to be soft I was not going to be really heavy handed but I was also going to let let them know that there's there's a line that they shouldn't cross so yeah the men were men were a piece of cake all I had to do is throw one of my stories on the table and they're laughing. And they're just like, okay, their egos are dis disarmed. And I joke about how I'd walk into a room and, I, I, and I'd put my ego into the basket right before I walk in. And then I would throw out some jokes. And I, my, my idea was that I wanted the men to put their egos in a basket so that all of us could do business afterwards. And it didn't matter that I was a woman, you know, it just, so uh, that's how I worked with most of the men, you know, so I was not, I was non-threatening. You know, it's always so. isn't it? I mean, it is. I mean, I must say, I find very similar that you know, listen, that different people and you know, but certain people mix better with different genders, you know, and it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes it was, you know, just different clients needed different people, different personalities. Like, so as you say, some needed to be stroked, you know, and and yes, to be pampered. Others, it was the reverse. If they felt like they were being handled, then that would. Yeah, so it's they wouldn't like that yeah yeah you know so it's, it's interesting you know it's, it's amazing take us take us back a wee bit there what, what was you know what what were you going to do what was your original plan way back when oh gosh <laughs> so I you know I was playing sports so you know you at 18 you you figure out the college you're going to go to and I decided to go to a college because it was pretty right so go figure you know and so um then uh, I, I'm like, well, what, what major? And I'm like, well, of course, phys physical education, because that's what I did. I, I did sports. And I realized in college that I would be bored, that my personality was so much more, I, I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to solve problems. And, um, and sales was just really good for me because of my personality. So when I came out of college, I, I, 
got a job as a salesperson and it just kind of went from there. So I just, I landed, you know, with a hospital doing sales and then someone hired me into insurance brokerage. And I literally by my bootstraps had to, I I would say walk the streets, but that's not really a good comment for a woman, but I I literally had to canvas and build my book of business, like making a hundred phone calls a day. And it was just like, it was, you know, the hard way. It was not nothing. it, It wasn't handed to me. And so then I, you know, I really loved doing deals. I loved sales. I loved, and of course, you know, I mean, the money comes with it. It's not the reason I did it, but it was a nice perk of um, closing the deals and stuff. So that took me into the insurance brokerage industry. And from there, you know, I, I always feel that if you if you bring value in a job, success will find you. And that's kind of what happened. I just was whatever I did, I would always put 150% in and I would just bring that value. And so, uh, and and I tell my son, I'm like, you know, hopefully you only have to have one resume in your life, right? So for me, it was the first one. And then after that, you know, people will will come find you because of what you're able to um, provide. And um, so anyways, yeah, so um, that was it. And then my son, uh, you know, in 2008 came to me and said, mom, I you know, will you write down your story, please? This is a junior in high school. And um, I said, sure. So I wrote like 10 pages of really boring stuff about insurance. And then I had one last page and it was lessons learned. And I thought to myself, if my son could just get these lessons learned, then he'll be, he'll be successful in one way or another. So um, he went to UCLA and I went up there and he had it pinned on his board in college. And I I didn't want to say anything, right? As mom, I'm not going to make a big deal. But I thought, okay, well, that's kind of nice. So he followed those and then I mentored him. And then he ended up becoming a a principal at age 27 in New York. So um, in a big company. So, so, you know, that, that has been kind of the genesis of my business into my son. And now he's doing that, which takes me to this book, which is helping people. So for, for you writing the book, was it just it was the right time? You know, you mentioned obviously about your father and then sort of retiring and you know all this and, and sort of bringing the kids up. So it just sounds like this has almost been a bit of a uh, a chance to change gear, but also a chance to 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 put it into writing. Is that a is that a fair uh, yes. statement? Yeah, it was really um it was really, you know, I needed to figure out what, what my next chapter was going to be, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it was. Um, and I, I just feel that, you know, and like it, I want to, I'm in a phase where I would like to help people. So it is, you know, so the book does that. It is, it tells my story in a way that is, you understand it. You can understand the concepts and apply them to yourself. Um, so yes, this definitely, um, it's it's been an interesting uh, ride the last few years. So, hmm. talk to us about writing books. Is this something that's come naturally? Is this something you've enjoyed? How, how uh, for you? Um, it it hasn't come naturally. The actual writing part per se, but the the ideas and the connections and the stuff with all this heritage and then my business and how I'm. All, the, there's such a creativity there. And I, and I always thought that my dad was the artist. And I realized that being a writer and an author, you are an artist. I mean, you're, you're bringing together a concept or you're um, so uh, yeah, you know um, it, it's just been, 
kind of who I am because I, I solved problems in business. That was who you know what you do in in terms of being successful in sales and whatnot. Because you, you you solve problems between an employer and insurance company or whatever. And so I took that same premise in a, into writing my book, and um, it was just connecting things and strategy and whatnot. So it's kind of fun. And you were saying those those sort of lessons for us. Give us give us a little bit of a teaser in terms of what you you the intention to put across in the book and those, you know, that sort of the one page or that uh, you know, set of rules for people. Yes, um, I, I already talked to you about the be true to you. Um, there's one big one called I can, and I'm a firm believer in uh, you have to believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing for it to happen. And um, I mean, I come from. I come from a long line of long line of pioneer entrepreneurs when they come over for the gold rush and they, you know, bring water and this and that. So we, um, you know, we have like kind of that I can mentality and we don't have, we don't see any other way. It's just, that's how it is. So what I try to convey is, you know what, um, you can make things happen in your life. You can make things happen. And I give examples about that. Um, and my dad kind of, kind of taught me that because painting, he would, he would do a painting. And then 20 years later, we would see it. And we're like in Venice. And I saw this painting he did. And I go, dad, we're on this boat. We got up early. I go, dad, you painted that. And he goes, yeah. Kind of like, okay. And I said, but dad, dad, we have that at home. He goes, yeah. And I real I realized looking back on it, the heat, that manifestation, that putting something down, writing it, that painting it. In fact, um, I say that, you know, in the movie Field of Dreams, where he says, um, if you paint, if I'm not painted, if you build it, they will come. And so with my dad, it was kind of like, if you paint it, it will happen. And I, I had, I, I just had that innately in me through, you know, I think sports and then into business. And like I said, it's that passion. It's that fire in the belly. When you have that conviction and you, you put that out there. You just, you make things happen. Um, so I can be true to you. Um, uh, what else? I have one of the books. Um, let's see. Oh, you know, basic ones that you, you know, like treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, when you don't know the answer, say so. Don't just, you know, don't BS because people in business don't like it when you BS. And if you BS a client, they're not going to trust you again if they find out. And um, one of them is, is that when you make a mistake, this is a big one. When you make a mistake, come up with a solution and own up to it. And so the one example I used is that I had pitched a huge proposal to a huge medical group and I sold them on changing carriers. It was, it was a big deal at the time. And, uh, it went to the board, CEO took it to the board, they signed off on it. Three days later, I'm going through the proposal and, you know, whatever. And I realized that I misinterpreted the rate. Okay. We're talking, this was a 30% differential in proposals. So I, I was like, what the, I thought my career was flashing before my eyes. I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. So I, um, I actually did what I would normally do in my personal life. And that is own up to it. And I went, I, I called a meeting with him and I went and I sat in his office and I said, I have bad news. And then I have good news. I said, the bad news is, is that I misinterpreted the rate, blah, blah, blah. The good news is, is I have a solution, blah, blah, blah. And again, career flashing before the eyes, right? And he says to me, after like 15 seconds, he's just sitting there in this chair in this big office. And he says, 
okay, Teresa, because you handled it, everyone makes mistakes, but because you handled it the way you handled it, you will keep our business. He ended up being the key person in the industry that, that allowed me to sell my business. So had I, had I tried to BS him or had I tried to cover it up, I wouldn't be where I am, clearly. So that's all about those sort of, you know, sort of sliding doors moments, you know, that actually it's, this could go one or two ways, right? You know, so. Yeah, very easily, very quickly. Um, so that, that's why I try to share that, Pete, because just be honest, that's the best thing to do. And the worst thing that could happen. And remember, you go back to what's the worst thing. Let's say I lost a sister. Nothing's going to compare to that. I lose the account. Okay. Mm. You know. Where, where does that work ethic come from for you? Uh, my dad, my dad was a carpet salesman and he was just had a lot of integrity and um, he worked very hard. Um, we lived in a, in a town that had a lot of money, but we were, we were middle-class and he, um, so we came from humble means. And, um, and when we were little, my dad told me a story about it. when he lost his job, he literally washed dishes in this highfalutin town. You know, he washed dishes to make sure to keep a, a roof over our head. So, there's that that you know that I innately had, and also you know it's the heritage. I mean, this when, when you come to California in the gold rush and, and and after that, you're hard workers. So you know you come across the plane. My, my great great grandmother came across with my great great grandfather, and as a woman, you're not just taking care of the kids. Let me just say, you know, uh, you were jumping on the horses, fighting the Indians if needed. You were taking, you know, nurturing the kids. You were making dinner. You were so there was. Um, big worth work ethic. When you come and you settle a state, uh, you know, that, that. so I, I think it's definitely a DNA. Like I have to dig my, my, dig into something where I can just work hard at it and make it happen, you know? So. And what, what was your why? I mean, what was your why then? And what's your why now? When you say then, what's then, then? Well, I suppose, I mean, it's, it almost feels like there's different chapters. If you like, you know, you talk about, um, you know, the, sort of the chapter of growing, um, you know, up to, you know, sort of 15, 18, as you say, when you come into that, then going through your career, then business and selling the business and then mother yeah. and now. So I don't know. I mean, I've, roughly I've sort of given you five chapters. I've, in, <laughs> I've inflicted well, on you, you know. The first four, I would say for me, um, before I stayed home with my kids, is that um, I really just, Pete, I just like to win. I was the girl on the playground that wanted to be picked. And if I could be picked first, I thought that was a win, right? So that that felt good. Like, okay, I could control. What it was is that I, I could control, like I could really work hard and I could, so winning was was big to me. And, and again, it wasn't about the money later. It was just the winning part. Um, and that that drove me. That drove me. And, and I also know that when I would work hard and if I won, that I would, I would, I would be able to kind of have control of what I wanted to do. And um, as a teenager and, you know, losing a sister to suicide, you don't feel a lot of control. And um, so I think that that, uh, that really just set me as I went forward to what can I, you know, how, what is within my control winning, whatnot, how I set up things. Um, and then the why now really is, um, 
just to give back because, you know, I've ra- almost raised the three kids, uh, been the business, kind of been there and done a lot of things and um, would like to help people because first of all, raising kids, there's no manual, right? There's just like no manual. And, um, and, and really in business, for a woman in business, there was no manual. So, you know, um, I, you know, I just feel like that's just a, a thing that are uh, an area that I can fill and that I can um, help. So. That's definitely the why, the why is giving back now. It's, it's interesting as you say, I mean, you, you're going to carry values and, and a particular saying that I, I always find quite poignant is, you know, your voids are your values, you know, and our voids quite often are your values, not intentionally, but I suppose losing your sister like that and, and you know, then sort of as you define it, there is almost the, the want to, to, to win. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the connection between maybe being seen or pleasing or connecting or doing whatever or control, as you said, you know, so that's that's quite interesting whether it's healthy or not. I don't know. But what's your thought? Who knows? Well, um, for me, uh, at least starting, starting, you know, during that, it was survival. So for the first few years, it was just survival. I just really needed to get through. Um, I, I needed to to put that behind me and I needed to have an identity and um, competing for me gave me that identity. Um, And then it just kind of became what I knew. And I'm one of those soft competitors. Yes. I like to compete, but I also have a kind heart will help people. I will cheer anyone on. I will writing the book, trying to help people here, just do this. Like with my son, back page, do this and this will help you kind of thing. So I'm not one of those hardcore competitors from the standpoint of um, to at the expense of others, you know, so. If, if you didn't do what you did, what would you be doing? I don't know. You know what? I actually would love if I had a voice to be a singer and to have, you know, be in music. I've, I have daydreamed about that before, you know, because I do like speaking in front of audiences and I like that, you know, that just has come naturally to me. And I'm so upset that I didn't have a voice. I'm like, okay. And I really, trust me, I don't have a voice. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, what that, that leads nicely into, I mean, what do you love in life? I mean, what's the things that really stand out for you and, and make life super special? Hmm. Um. You know, for me, it, it really, truly has been my children. Um, they they have been my, um, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Back in 2001, I, uh, I woke up in the morning of 9-11 and my dad called me and said, you know, you need to turn the TV. And I um, turned it on and my eight-year-old daughter was next to me. And um, I saw the tower go down and then I saw the second tower start the plane go in. And then I just started sobbing. And my daughter said, "Uh, mommy, why are you crying? And I said, well, because two days from now, I was supposed to be on the 98th floor of the second tower. And she says, mommy, if you were in that tower, I'd fly a plane across the country and I would come and get you. Now, you know, that's one of those moments when you, when you think what are you doing? These kids need you, right? I I was running, traveling. I was, you know, the executive woman, you know, with all the success and whatnot. And then that just stopped me dead in my tracks. 
And at that point, I realized that I was going to um, retire. And so for three years, I, I, no one knew. I socked away money. I just took my salary and I put it as much aside. And I knew that by the time my contract was up in 2004, I was going to retire and be with my kids because I felt that the best gift that I, that I could give them was my time. And, um, you know, my dad lost his parents when he was 12. So I just wanted to not have that part of our history repeat itself. And um, so I threw a lot, you know, I've just been the mom, you know, since then. I just really, you know, now I've become an author and all that. Um, but for so many years, I have, that has been my my purpose. So. What's a really proud moment for you or moments? What are my proud moments? Yeah. Uh, my proud moments. You know what? Um, I would say that there's there's a few different kinds of proud moments. You know, one of them would be uh, with, you know, certain certain milestones with your children. When my daughter, um, you know, she was, she her passion was figure skating and uh, she ended up going to the world championships. And so I, I actually write that story because it was a week after we did my dad's uh, kind of a service. Um, and so something happens in there, you know, at, at the world championships, it was really special as far as like feeling my dad's spirit and whatnot, but watching her skate and, and, and watching her, you know, on, on the, on the ice at that moment after, since she was four, right. That she had her world stage, which is what she wanted. Right. So I, uh, there's nothing better than to see your kids realize their dreams. And, um, so that was a proud moment. Um, <laughs> another moment you're going to laugh. I don't, do you like hockey? I don't know if you do. Um, hockey's not as big. I, I, I don't watch a lot because we don't, we don't tend to get a lot over here to be honest, but. <laughs> so, but I'll tell you a story. So the other really just teary moment with my children, my two older ones was in 2012, the Kings were playing in the finals, the Stanley cup finals against, I can't remember who it was anyways. It was a huge win after the Kings were a 45-year franchise that had never won uh, the Stanley Cup. Stan I have a picture of my kids and I, and it was just like one of those moments of just, you know, an epiphany, uh, whatever. There was like, it was so fun because we could experience it together. And um, so I've had a lot of really great things um, happen. Um Certainly a proud moment was when I was able, you know, able to sell my company as, as a woman um, and able to retire um, and, and retire to, to be with my kids. So, um, yeah, I've, just, I've had a lot of great things, even though, you know, the, the thing, you know, when I was a teenager with my sister, but kind of feel like she's been a little guardian angel there with all of the wonderful things that have happened as well. Do you think you'll ever get over, understand that? Do you think you'll ever get over it? I have, um, you know, I have, I have gotten over it. There's no sting when I think of it. Um, I did, I, I wrote about it in the book and, uh, you know, I, um, you go through phases and this has been, well, this is almost 50, 45 years ago. So, um, I have come to terms and peace with it, you know, um, 
So it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think it doesn't affect me emotionally as it used to hmm. where you couldn't like in the, some of those cases in a case like that, you just can't think about it. Right. You just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there. Um, but no, I think about her and I think about her and I smile and I just know that she's with me. Can I ask what age she was when she passed on? Hmm? What, what age was she when she passed on? She was 21. 21. Did you, did you find yourself be more aware when your own kids sort of reached out or? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 uh, I always, I'm like a mama bear watching things. Yeah. I don't, I don't let anything, um, get by me. I, I, I ask questions. I, um, yeah, I've been there. So don't want to do that again. And we'll make, you know, do everything within my control. And you know what? I, I'm also just able to be there to talk to other people as well. Um, so, uh, you know, when they're going through it, I was just talking to a mom the other night and she's had some things going on and I was just able to share with her. You're not alone. You know, mm. you're not alone. And uh, this stuff happens and there's hope. There's hope. So. Just out of curiosity, I mean, do, do... You know, do you think that's almost something that helps to to magnify the empath in you? Do you think that's one of the reasons? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think that probably part of that is just you know helps to heal that part that was so hurt and so upset when I was growing up. So um, it, I, I'm more, I'm open to sharing more of it, and and particularly in the chapter where I wrote it, a lot of people had come to me and said, you know, um, thank you for sharing, you know, cause some people, a lot of people that don't do that. And um, I just really felt like it's just time, you know, time to uh, see how it can maybe open up other people's eyes. It can help them to think in terms of, you know, how they can help their, well, whoever it is, friend, family member. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely brings the impact out. Can I ask, I mean, where do you sit in terms of sort of religion or spirituality? I mean, where, where's your stuff? <clears throat> I believe in God and I believe um, I, I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very spiritual person. I mean, I, I definitely feel, you know, when my dad passed, I feel like I, I feel that he's here with me, you know, um, I believe, I don't know if you know the term synchronicity. Yeah, sorry, tell us about synchronicity then. Oh gosh, um, synchronicity. Uh, for me, the role that it has had in my life is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very aware of things that go on around me. Or I, I try to be, you know, if I'm in a good place and I'm positive, then I, I keep an eye on what's around me. Um, if I'm in a negative place or I have negative whatever, then I don't, I don't sense anything. Um, but stuff will happen around me and I'll, I'll like, um, oh, this is a perfect example. So I've really been on this journey with this book. It's kind of like synchronicity. Things will happen and I know I'm on the right path. And if things don't happen, I also know I'm not on the right path. So it's kind of like it, 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 it's either there or it's not. And so uh, the book for about six months, it was just kind of like, I don't know, just I wasn't feeling it. And I had started with a cover on my heritage and, and um, my book designer said, you need to be on the front. You need to be on the front. And I'm like, 
I don't want to be on the front. I really, I don't want my face on the front of a book. You know, I'm doing the heritage thing. It's the gold rush. It's whatever monopoly. So for six months, that that uh, goes out there. And all of a sudden I realize it just occurs to me in like April. Um, I think I need to change the cover. I think, I think I need to go on. I thought it was about my heritage, but the story is really about me. And um, so I did that. And as soon as I did that, like several things happened and I've, I've blogged about it, but um, like uh, it won an international book award. It became a bestseller. It was just like taking off. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So when you feel like you're in a rut, when you, when you have a goal and you're, you have your eyes set on getting something done, if nothing's happening, I realized you need to try and figure that out. It's like, why is it not happening? You know, do you need to change your route? And so, um, so then I don't know if you know who Wayne Dyer is. I do indeed. Yeah. Yeah. The wish fulfilled. If I remember really. Uh-huh. One of the books here. Yeah. So he, um, as you know, very big self self-help author, uh, wrote probably a hundred hundred million books in his lifetime. So, uh, so my dad wrote on a calendar. Remember, this is the visual, visualization thing. So we wrote on his calendar, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer, uh, there's a spiritual solution to every problem. Four months later, we were on a plane coming back from Hawaii uh, with Wayne Dyer. And unbeknownst to me, he was in first class. And I had one first class ticket. And um, it was me and my son, my nephew, and my dad. And I decided I was going to send my eight-year-old daughter up there because, you know, she could talk to anyone and uh, he'd be entertained, whoever would be, whoever would be entertained in first class. So we get off the plane in LAX and she comes running out to me. And she says, mommy, I have this book. This man signed this book for me. And I turn around and it's Wayne Dyer. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. So he signs the book to the nicest girl I've ever, you know, I've ever talked to on my way home from Maui. And then 13 years later, she goes to the world championships and her sport is synchronized skating and synchronicity is the cornerstone of his teaching. So if you read the book and you read the back part of it, um, I, I show you all the connections that show it's just kind of, kind of crazy, you know, so synchronicity is a main theme in, in the book. And um, it was a few weeks ago, I was coming home and um I, oh, I had just looked at, I had just looked at one of his tapes and it said, um, I didn't know if you're familiar. He has, he had an encounter with a butterfly for about an hour that was on his finger and he felt like it was just a spiritual thing. So after I looked at that, I went to go get my daughter and come back and literally I'm pulling in the garage and this, this monarch butterfly just zooms past my window. Okay. And this is like unusual. I'm like halfway, that thing had to like maneuver because I was almost into the garage and I thought, hmm, when those things happen, I always think why. And so I went in and I, I had gotten this email from a book award company and they were confirming that I had entered the book for certain things. So I thought, I'm thinking to myself, did I miss a category? So I go in, because I know there's some reason. So I go in and I look and I go, art, like my dad's art is all over the book, like how can I miss that? Right. So I, I signed it up for art. I sent it off and I'm on my way. And the next day, another monarch butterfly is coming off of my window in my car. Like, and it flies. So it's beautiful. I could see it. And he flies away. So a couple of days later, I'm going on my walk and I have like a, a playlist I've done for my um, book. 
Uh, and um, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, if I'm on the right path of my book, will you please give me a sign? So I'm listening to my music and I'm walking out, I walk out, whatever. About a block down, down the street, I, I see these two bugs and they're literally going, they're kind of, they're going like this. And I walk, I walk up and they're two monarch butterflies, all right, in sync, okay? So in, in, in Wayne Dyer's thing with the butterfly, he's like his, his um, Hay House president is saying, Wayne, get the picture when he's got his butterfly. So all I could hear in my head was, Teresa, get the picture. So I, I literally, I, it becomes a Lucy moment because these butterflies are dive bombing me as I'm trying to get the picture and they're all around me and I'm screaming and shrieking and I get the picture. And um, you can imagine what people thought as they're driving by. But uh, so I get the picture and I have it. I, um, it's, on, it's on my blog, but you can see the two butterflies, beautiful monarch butterflies up here. You see nothing else, palm trees, the street, and you see an arrow, a white arrow going in the direction that I'm going. For me, that's like, okay, I'm on the right path, right? It's just, it is what it is. It's just, it's, it's funny because the people that know me, that's how I, I lead my life. I, I'm, I'm a positive kind of person. I also, a big key is you need to give gratitude. You need to be thankful. And um, when you do all those things and you want to have a goal happen, just take a look around you and see what's going on to, to tell you if you're on the right path. And so, yeah, so there's your, it was, yeah, the book, it, it, the book goes, synchronicity ends up being the end of it. And then, and toward the end, I'm like, you know, I'm wondering if my dad knew this, right? I'm wondering if my dad, like, like, so I go, you know, I'm going to go back through, he has his calendars that he's decorated in the beginning of all of them. I'm going to go back through these and I'm looking. So I go back, guess what? First calendar, chapter number one, up in the left corner, synchronicity, all capital letters. So I'm like, okay, it's about synchronicity. So how, what is your experience with synchronicity? What do you? Um... You know, there's so many things, I suppose. And, and even for myself, um, I, I sort of got to, to sort of, it was about four years ago when I got to a point in my life of uh, <laughs> absolute non-synchronicity in so many ways that just uh, all the different parts. But um, a couple of things, dreams coming to me and realizations, um, visualizations, realizations in terms of where I am, where I'm supposed to be. But probably the, the most weird thing is the show because the fire in the belly came to me. I literally was out in a walk and it was like sort of more or less seeking, for, seeking an answer. Mm -hmm. It's kind of going, you know, I was, I was curious about other people's passions. And um, it was, I mean, sort of the, the certain uh, circumstances happened at that time. And, and it was just kind of going, okay, this is, this is a message. This is some, something else, you know? Um, and yeah, no, so the, the, the reoccurring things. And now I suppose I've, I've trusted my intuition. I think that's yes. one thing I'm becoming more and more aware of the synchronicity. And now I just, I, I sit back and I enjoy it. You know, whereas before it was like, oh my God, you won't believe what happened. And, you know, much more tension in my life. Whereas now it's like, yeah, of course it's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. If I win something, yeah, well, I was supposed to. So that's, mm -hmm. not, it's not a surprise. I'm, I'm grateful, but it's no, no big deal, right? So, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's beautiful. 
my dad used to my dad used to always say like when i would come to him and i it was like the cat bringing the mouse to the door i'm like dad dad you know i sold the company of course i'm like dad dad i broke glass ceiling and lloyd's of london blah 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 of course you did of course you know he was just it was that that's the way he lived his life it was um either he was praying for me or praying for his family or whatever he just always knew that things that things good could happen so um uh it's so funny i'll tell you another little story I finally just yesterday um, closed on on selling the, his condo. Um, and he passed away six years ago, and um, it, it's a gem of a place. It has this backyard that has this kind of a lake and waterfalls, and there are ducks, and it's just beautiful. It's a park. And so I, I always felt this when I bought it for for him. I was like, this is such a special place. It's like a little sanctuary. And for him, he would lay on the bed and he would listen to the waterfalls and. He would say, this is heaven on earth, you know? And so I, I never could sell it before now because it was like opening that door of that was the last place I saw, him, you know? And so the first time, so it went on the market the first time and it's, a couple of things happened. And anyways, it wasn't the right scenario. I just knew it wasn't the right scenario, but I knew that I had to carry through because I committed to that. And lo and behold, it falls through escrow. Like, okay, that wasn't, you're right. That wasn't the right scenario. So the second time it goes on, the day before uh, it goes on, I um, get this picture of it's this fabulous duck that is like the wings are like this. I caught it like it was taking off and it was in my dad's backyard. I've never seen that in his place. So I'm like, okay, this is it. This is going to be a good one, right? So um, this is the time to sell it. And, and and I wanted, my goal, Pete, was I wanted someone to come in there and say, wow, I got to have this. This is just unbelievable. This is just special, whatever. So that they're going to pay for it. The way you do it is you pay for it when you have a special place. So um, that happened. Two bids came in and one came in and it was so much higher. And um, I knew that it was the right the right thing. And um, in fact, it closed yesterday and it was like, okay, I could part with it because I felt that it was respected. So the duck was for me, synchronicity. It's like the duck with the flapping wings is telling me, you know, this is good. Like, okay, it's time to fly, Teresa, go, you you, you know, you're going to get rid of the condo, just go. So. Awesome. I mean, well, congratulations, first of all, on getting it all sorted because it's, it's another chapter, right? You know, Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's it's a lovely place to be. I'm I'm very I'm, I'm taken by your language and you you know you're very natural as you say very empathetic, uh, or empathic in the room. Um, but actually, in how much you talk about manifestation, visualization, synchronicity, you know, this is obviously something that's heavily embedded in your life. You know that whole, uh, you know, gratitude, everything, right? You know, so it's yeah. it's, it's this isn't a. Uh, has it always been, do you think? Has it always been, you know, lots of uh, Well, you know what? I started um, in sports. Um, I think one of the reasons I was successful is I always visualized before I went into a competition. So I would visualize where that ball is going to go. I would visualize us. I would visualize us with our tennis rackets up or whatever. We were, win- you know, we won the championship. So I, and, and thing that would, that would go that way. And so it was, it was, and I, I think it was my dad's, paintings and stuff over the years that just taught me kind of that manifestation visualize it and it will happen kind of thing and and then um in business it was working that way because i would literally 
I had the big, the, the account of my career um, that probably was, uh, you know, 50% of my book of business was a company that was headquartered in Alabama. And so I had to fly, first of all, a woman in the South. I'm just going to tell you right now, that was not the easiest thing as a woman in the South. I got called honey a couple of times. I'm like, okay, okay. You know what? I'll get you coffee if you give me your account. Okay. I'm, we're good with that. So I'm flying on the plane and I am thinking in my mind, um, watching them sign the instrument, that get, the instrument, the letter that gives me the business. I am thinking about them sitting there saying, we're going with her because she will help us the most. I'm thinking about me walking out with the broker of record letter. And I thought that all the way to Alabama and we got it. Um, so that's just been a big part. I started with sports and then I carried that into business and um, just how I do things. I, I, you know, I, I, um, I just think that where your mind, you know, where your mind directs, you know, stuff will follow. Right. So that's why I try and not think negative. I, I try to get rid of negative thoughts because it just, it's not productive at all. And I really have to work on that. And, and my dad too, in his calendars, he would pray about, I, I, you know, please Lord help me get rid of this negative negativity. And um, cause when you're in a positive place and you have gratitude and you can figure out visually where you want to go and whatnot, stuff happens. So by the way, my dad, um, he used to, to, um, oh gosh, he illustrated calendars. And so I've got from 1992 to 19 to 2004 or seven, um, Ansel Adams calendars with all of his painting and his markers in it and whatever. And he would have sayings in there, you know, just about, um, like the one was synchronicity, what, you know, it would be about believe, trust God, like a child, you know? Um, so it was just really cool, you know, just, uh, a neat legacy. And, and so somehow he was, that got through to me early on. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I didn't study anything back then. It was just how it happened, but you know what? I got to think Pete. I mean, I kind of thought about it. You know, if you're a pioneer, you like visualize where it is you want to go. You're like, I'm going to, I'm going to conquer this. And this is what I'd like to do when I get there, or this is what, you know, not sure what I'm going to find, but this is the end result. Right. So Think from the end, right? And then your mind goes, our stuff goes there. And so, I, I, again, I think it goes back to DNA because they had to be, you had to do that. I, I don't know how you couldn't with these. My grandfather negotiated an international aqueduct with Mexico to go into LA against William Mulholland. Come on, like, you've got to have these big things where you think at the end, you think from the end. So, I, it's the only way I can explain it. Uh, yeah yeah i mean it's sort of something that's handed down or whatever it's you know but listen it's it's, it's an absolute it's a beautiful uh trait to have you know but are you what a two-part question maybe is you know do, do you know what you're capable of um and are, are you reaching your potential that is so those are really good questions and i i don't even um I really don't. Um, I, I do. I operate within certain confines just because I, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to have more weight. You know, I just, I am. Um, yeah. I don't know what I'm capable of, to be honest with you in the bigger picture. Um, it's just in my small little world. Uh, you know, I, I just, 
it's like you said, stuff will happen. And I, I don't even make a big deal out of it anymore. I'm just like, like my dad, of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to, going to make a right turn, you know, on that one. Um, so I just kind of like, it's like in my own little world. Yeah. But like I said, like I said, Pete, earlier, when I'm passionate about something and I've vetted it 150%, you know what? Don't go against me. My dad used to say that. My dad used to say, oh my gosh, Teresa, I, you can, I always want to be on your side. I never want to be on the other side of the table from you, or I never want to have you be upset with me or whatever. Um, and that, I think that comes back from being passionate, you know, mm. about when I am passionate about something, it's, it's, I take it seriously. Always, I try to convey that in my own book and, you know, along the lines of, you know, more or less, it's sort of the universe will bend for you. You know, when you create such force and visualization and belief, that things will happen. They just happen. <laughs> they attract to you. They bend for you. The sort of unexpected becomes expected. It's it's the it's the law of attraction, which, you know, obviously there's that whole book. And one of the things that I I have is actually on my website is. When you recognize that your your business success is not all about you, the world will fall in sync at your feet. And I use in sync a lot because synchronicity, synchronized skating, I kind of tie all that together. But but the thing there is that you know you it's how you treat people on the way. It's kindness. It's the gratitude. You know, it's not all about you. And and in life, when you make it not all about you, then and you you know have are thankful for it, and you want to go in a certain direction, which it's not like I want to move the mountain. It's I want to do something that that is consistent with my highest self. Like I'm not going to do something that, you know, is just ridiculous, but something that, you know, could work, you know, um, in terms of what I want to do or another book or whatever, then um, that's doable. The, the, definitely the universe. I mean, there are so many examples of that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Deepak Chopra said that, Synchronicity is the is God's way of like giving you anonymous messages. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a wink that you're going in the right direction or something. Um, it, that's d- definitely how I have felt. It's like a nod. Have you been here before? Do you think? In what way? Like previous lives, other dimensions. I, I've never thought of that about that, Pete. But what about you? I, I believe I have. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, Is it something feels familiar? Mm, there's definitely a feeling there. There's definitely, and it's interesting because uh, recently we, we have a book club that we, we read it early every morning and um, reading Conversation with God and, and Neil Donna Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating, but in there they, they pose the, the, the theory or in the conversation they talk about you know, the question is, have we been here before? And it's like, you know, eventually, eventually God is is sort of coaxed into giving an answer and it's saying, you've only done this 647 times before. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and, wow. and I don't know. It was just it was that moment of going, maybe not just having been here before, maybe I've been here a lot of times before, right? You know, and this is uh, because it is a fascinating thing. You know, maybe you come back as a man. Maybe you come back as a warrior. Maybe you come back as a you know, a, a criminal, maybe you come back. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's all yeah. experience. That is to be human is to experience, right? You know, is to, is to, to connect. Well, they, they've said, you know, the saying that we're like a spiritual being having a physical hmm. experience. Yeah. So, you know, how we think inside, that's the spirit. And um, there's, 
there's yeah so mm. that's kind of how i look at it yeah no it's and it is fascinating right you know it's it's who knows who knows what's what's your earliest memory out of interest your earliest conscious memory my earliest conscious memory um Uh, just my earliest memory is um, I, I had relatives in South Dakota. We were, you know, when I was, I don't even know what age it was, but I remember going back there and spending some time with them. They live on a farm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's pretty benign. What about you? Yeah, a couple, actually. There's one was we used to live in Saudi Arabia and uh, for some reason, I, I, the health and safety probably wasn't great, but I was lying on the bottom of the pool looking up, which is fascinating, a fascinating wow. view anyway. But this was in the middle of a thunderstorm. So literally, I mean, it, it's, you know, in, in the sort of the, the, the top of the pool was rippled. And I think it's because it was so, I think it was only like four or five or something. It's like, uh, you know, bizarre. I don't know that I should have been at the bottom of the pool at that time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, one looking up the, you know, in water, but then when a, a thunderstorm, you see lightning strike across the sky, you know, through the water, it's just, wow. it's just something that's just imprinted in my mind, whether it's my earliest memory or it's certainly a very wow. significant memory. That'd be a really interesting picture. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so it's just, I love that change in perspective, but um, no, I mean, I've, I've done some, uh, some, you know, mixture of reclamation exercise and all that. And, and my earliest subconscious memory um, or a significant memory was just before I was born, you know. And, what? Uh, hmm. What was it like? So, because um, I was tracking back, so so I would quite often do this. So a lot of the motions would track them back to where where they've actually started. So one was embarrassment, and actually it was sort of just before being born, and uh, I got stuck. I don't know. Unfortunately, my mother's passed away, so I can't say whether this is correct or not. I have no idea. And, um, but my memory just it came flooding back in was memory was being born, coming down the birthing channel and getting stuck. Oh, my gosh. Being quite um, and I, I hate being held down. Sounds bizarre. But um, anyway, getting stuck and then eventually after a bit of pushing and prodding, um, I was released. But actually, the amount of attention, because I, I could feel the tension in the room rising, but it was all sort of all the the attention was focused upon me, which I found very embarrassing. Huh. And so my, uh, the root of embarrassment for me was that event. Wow. No, did it happen? Did it not happen? I have no idea. All I can tell you is through this exercise. And now it's like, I don't know. I'm just telling what's coming into my mind and that's what's coming into my mind. So... Well, Pete, you know, that, that particular experience was also extremely traumatic. Mm. So, and I'll tell you, because my son, we had that, um, when, when he was born, um, he went like halfway down the canal and they literally had to push him back up. And then it was, a, so it was like, then it was a C set. So it was, it was very traumatic. So what you had happen was something that, um, mm. it's traumatic. Yeah. That's bizarre. It's, it's, um, but it's, I'm sort of amazing because I had the opportunity to interview uh, John, Dr. John D. Martini, and you know, and he talks about us having four thousand plus emotions, right? And but every one of those four thousand emotions carries a bit of a story, and sometimes multiple stories, which I find fascinating. 
Very interesting. That's such a good point. That's a lot of stories. Huge, right? You know, and, and um, you know, you, you track, you track happiness, you track embarrassment, you track shame, you track fear, you track enlightenment, you track, you know, love, connection. Every one of them, you can go back, and it's. I don't know why. I just I, I find this absolutely mind blowing, um, and especially and when in that sort of flow state. And, and you talk about synchronicity. Well, flow is a big thing for me. You know, when we get the hell out of our own way, and um, this is why we do longer podcasts because I let people get into flow. So, oh, so okay. Typically, the first twenty minutes, half hour is conscious. People are telling you exactly what they told other people before, and there's nothing new, and they expect it all. Then we typically, in general, you'll see people actually sit back in the chair and go, and that's the point we realize we've moved into mid-consciousness and that's when they're sort of relaxed. They know they're not going to get caught out here. It's nothing, you know, it's not a threatening environment. We're all cozy here. And then typically around the sort of 55 to hour, hour 10 mark, um, we typically drop into sort of subconscious and that's when we, we think and talk at the same speed. So, you know, so, oh, so, so which just comes out. It's just, just like, out. yeah. yeah it's like, God, you know, I just thought of something crazy. Well, of course you did because no guard, no anything, no filter. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's just there. It's like, God, it's weird thought or that, or I kind of haven't thought about that before. So this is, this is what we sort of found through the process, you know, um, bizarrely. So, you know, and this is why we get a huge amount of feedback from people going, I don't know what you did in my show, but, you know, it's a really sort of, start up the dirt of it for people, you know, and sort of memories yeah. that you haven't thought about in a long time. So yeah. um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I and I just think when we are put into flow state, our our genius genuinely comes out to play. You know, and I and I loved it when you talked about, you know, with the insurance business, I'm just being yourself. And it's like yeah. if you're not trying to be something else and expanding energy holding yourself in an artificial place, then you can just be. And people are attracted to that energy. And then yes. it gives you freedom to, to go further and farther. It's your natural place in the universe when, when that occurs. Mm. When mm. you're in your natural state with the universe, people, things are attracted to you. Mm. Because it is a flow thing. It is a, oh, this feels comfortable, whatever. When you're trying to be something you're not, it's like a, it's like a, one of those uh, magnets, like they, they they don't, it's like they try, but they can't come together kind of thing. It's, um, I don't think that that's a natural way for the universe to be. I think it's um, more difficult to have genuine connections. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it's, I think it's, unfortunately, I think it's quite rare to people because it's sort of a, like a gap theory. And it's, it's the gap between who, you, well, I mean, there's multiple gaps, but who you are and who you truly are. You know, it's like who you're portraying today. Then we have different versions, who we think we are, <laughs> who we want other people to see us as, who we actually are, and then who we truly are. You know, and I find that, and I think until you actually drop the baggage um, for you, and I, I personally, I think it's almost the origin of a lot of midlife crisis, you know, where people have yeah. the and the momentum to carry it around and whatever until they get to the point they're tired and they have kids and, life and enough money in their bank to go i want to make decisions for me um and then they just drop baggage left right and center and at that point success comes in absolute you know waves Mm -hmm. 
Um, my dad, he has one calendar and um, he said, and it always stands out to me. I have it in, in one of the blogs on there, but um, you have in big, big orange letters. You have to recognize who you are. Because hmm. he said uh, for me, he said, Teresa, all these calendars, because he had like 60 prayer pads and he would write down prayers and then they'd be answered and he'd write and read that they were answered, whatever. So I'm, And we have that, but he also has the calendars and he, kind of taught through his calendars. And he he said to me, he goes, Teresa, if, if, you know, all of my stuff is in my calendars, everything you want to know about how I've done all this is in my calendars. If you read all these, you will be able to do what I did as far as, you know, having positive things happen in your life and wanting those things. And, um, and he's right. So, I mean, I have them, I've, I've shared some of them. Um, but it's generally all the stuff about being positive, kindness, gratitude, uh, and just, um, yeah, just a genuine person. Yeah. I, I, I laugh though, Pete, because I say he taught me how to make genuine connections because he would talk to anyone and their brother and we'd be on an elevator and make best friends by the time we went to the 10th floor. Um, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm the quintessential rose on Titanic. You know, I can be in first class talking about a deal, closing a deal, whatever. And then I have actually more fun and I can be in steerage dancing on the tables and talking with people and whatever. And either it's all the same to me. And that's what he taught me. It's like, we're all people. It doesn't really matter what we make. doesn't matter what we do. You know, we are just, you know, we're, we're people. And um, it was, that was a gift. Kind of goes back to being real. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, right? It's a beautiful place to be. Uh, have you ever uh, sort of sought to, to connect with your dad through mediums or spiritually? Or I haven't. I haven't through. Um, I have not done that through a medium. Um, I just feel like he's always with me. And um, there were so many things the year after he passed that were just incredible that happened that I've written about towards the end uh, that. And I know, you know, I know that all these little synchronicity things, you know, my dad has stuff to do with it. You know, he's, he's, I, I just know, I can, you know, it's like God and my dad are laughing. Like, is she going to get it this time? Or is she not going to get it? You know? Um, so I, I feel, you know, the, like the duck that had the wings right before the places that clearly was like representing my dad saying, okay, it's time for you to move on girl. Like this is the, we're done here, you know? You're going to get the price you want. It's going to be respected. Um, so I, I would just feel like he's with me that way. I don't know if he was one of those monarch butterflies, though. I was trying to figure that one out. I didn't know who the two, the two butterflies. I didn't go there as far as when I wrote about it, but I'm like, who were the two monarch butterflies? I don't know. It, it's fascinating. You know, I, you know, a lot of people sort of look for the, that sort of symbolism, um, which is great. And, and, uh, sort of almost moving on and the theory I've always run with the fire in the belly you know because sort of say to some people I used to ask it a lot more than I do now but you know it's like do you, do you think everyone are you born with it is it something that comes later in life um, and I, I don't know my belief is that as soon as you're born you have a fire in your belly yes whether you're in your darkest hour or you're in your highest peak of a moment it's there it's either a roaring fire or a tiniest flame away in the distance, but it's never not there, you know, and it's a bit like the acres of diamonds. They're all within, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, 
almost with that connection, as you say, with your father, it's always there, whether you choose to actually acknowledge or take time or then, you right. think, oh, gosh, that butterfly has reminded me of, you know, to to remind or re, re, remember, you know, put yeah. them back together, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, when you talk about like, you know, was it there in the beginning or not? My dad always used to say that I came out of the womb. He goes, Tracy, you came out of the womb with a tennis racket. Like I was always competitive. I was all, you know, I'm like, well, he might've been right. You know, that was, I could see, you know, it was from the beginning, like maybe in kindergarten, I was running against the boys. I don't know. So, but yeah, um, kind of the fun thing lately when I, when I closed the condo yesterday, in the last couple of weeks is I had the, all of his paintings, his abstracts, and some of those things that weren't abstracts because it's 50 years of stuff were in his garage. And so I, um, I moved it. And when I got all the stuff off of the shelves, literally the garage was full of, I've never seen this stuff. It was like a treasure trove of stuff. And he wrote on the back and he just so fun. So um, yeah, he's with me. I mean, he's like, you know, he's probably laughing up there like, oh yeah, I did that one 40 years ago. I was hoping you'd see it now, you know, kind of thing. So Love it. Tell me what's what's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you? Mm. I need to have more guilty pleasures, honestly. I um uh, I don't even know how to answer that. I, you know, I enjoy going out going out and having a margarita with my girlfriends. I um I'll tell you the most popular answer is generally chocolate or wine. <laughs> so oh, margaritas are right both. there. Both. Margarita, though, I'm just going out with the girlfriends and having margaritas is, is another one. So without salt on the rim, and then I'm happy. I'm, uh, that is basically a guilty pleasure. That's good. A leisure and pleasure for you? Is that, is that going out for girls? girls? A leisure, a leisure pleasure. Yeah, that's right. And we're all, the, the women that I go out with, we all have kids that are probably, you know, like a couple of years from going to college. So it's just a different phase of our life. Mm. Yeah. No, I love it. So tell us, where can people reach out to you, follow you, track you, stalk you down? Stalk me. Um, I am on TeresaAllison.com. So it's T-H-E-R-E-S-E-A-L-L-I-S-O-N.com. So an E at the end of Teresa, Pete, for empower, E for empowerment. There you go. So that's, yeah, love it. Um, love it. Everything's there. You know, you can uh, contact me. You can look at the book. You can look at everything's there. So love it. If you were to describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, what would it be? One or two words. Um, um, you know, my determine my ter- determination to help people. That's really what for me is. Hmm. You know, that's just at the core what I want to do. Yeah. Makes sense. What about you? My fire in the belly? Yeah. Um, they've evolved actually even in the last six months, but I think the difference being sort of core values and moving to soul values, ah. uh, which I find is like, an, uh, you know, I know it's only a wording, you know, the, the imperfection of wording, but that to me, it's down to, it is, love connection service you know oh i like that you know so yeah. um it's, it's before because you know i used to say you know integrity and 
you know, and honesty and all that. But it's quite often to have those values means you need to not have something as well. Hmm. You know, so and and you see that a lot in the world. You get this sort of, you know, I, I value honesty. It's like, well, why do we have to bring it up? Right. Exactly. You know what? That's exactly how I think. It's like that's a given. Mm. <laughs> Integrity is so, a given. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. For me, it was you know that sort of you know love and the you know connection service. It's it's they're all there. They're just unconditional. It's like it just just is. Unconditional. That is it's a perfect word. You know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I think for me, it's find the body is find the body. You know, it's that. You know, live by your passion or find your true you. you mm -hmm. know, so that's awesome. Is there a final message you'd like to leave with people? Oh, the final message. Well, I, you know, again, my mantra, I can. You know what? You can do it. Put your mind to it. Be kind. Um, be thankful. And watch out for stuff around you to help you guide your way. That's what I would say. Love it. Grace, thank you so much indeed. It's been lovely to have you on the show. I have no doubt. Thank you, Pete. Again. And uh, congratulations on the book, and, and I wish you continued success with it all. So thank you. Thank you so much. Same to you. Bye-bye. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, oh boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that, and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon. And it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.